What's going on, people? I want to welcome all of you to the Very Unsportsmanlike podcast. My name is Quincy, and this is my podcast. And on the Very Unsportsmanlike podcast, we mainly discuss the NFL, but we also get down with a little NBA. We love boxing. Uh, we'll talk about track and field and all kinds of college athletics. I mean, if you chase a ball or if you're timed, then we'll probably talk about it. But joining me, as usual, is the homie Buck down there in Pensacola, Florida. Buck, what it do? What's up? All right. If you want more information on the show, you can go to www.podpage.com forward slash 15 yards. That's P-O-D-P-A-G-E dot com forward slash 15 yards because 15 yards is the penalty for being unsportsmanlike. But we had a lot of a lot of exciting football this weekend, man to say the least, but I want to start with last night's game in college between Georgia and Alabama for the national championship. All right. And, um, you know, Alabama's back in the number one spot. Georgia's number three. Alabama spanked Georgia by what? 25 points about a month yep. ago. And, uh, yep. everyone pretty much expected the same. I, I'm, I'm kind of of the mindset of until you kill the boogie the boogeyman, then um, the boogeyman is always going to get over. But last night Georgia slayed the boogeyman. John Wick is dead, thirty three to eighteen, mm. and they did it with twenty seven second half points. But when the score was nine to six at halftime, I felt like Georgia was in it, even though it was kind of a field goal fest. I felt like keeping it close, they were in it, but I never expected an offensive explosion. Did you? Well, in order for them to be in the game, they needed to keep it close. Um, they needed to keep it within striking distance. And holding them to a field goal fest is actually what Georgia needed to do. Um, if those would have been – if it had been 21-6, to six, things would have been a whole lot different. But um, they kept it close. And when he made that, that fumble in the third, he didn't let that – he didn't let that, you know, shake him. He stayed with it, you know, and the guys started this. They hunkered down. The whole team hunkered down on a defensive defensive side, the offensive side, and as well as the you know special teams. They just kept their heads in it, you know. They didn't. They 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 were gonna slay the dragon, and it didn't matter what they did if they made a mistake or anything. And what they you know scoring touchdowns and keeping you know getting them three and out, you know six and out, making Alabama make the mistakes. That's what they need to do to win the game. Yeah, and that's exactly what they did. They capitalized that pick six at the end was big, man, 79-yard return. And then, I mean, really the interception itself was probably enough to seal the victory, but running it back for a touchdown really just let you know that it was all over and Georgia started to celebrate on the sideline, even though, Bama had about 54 seconds left, but two touchdowns in 54 seconds is unlikely, especially against a stout defense like Georgia. But it looked like Bama was able to make some big plays early on, but then their receiver went down. Um, I mean, he was off to a good start. He had uh, uh, like four catches, I think, early in the game. What was his name? Uh, Jamison Williams. He had four catches for 65 yards early on, but then when he went down and he's their – you can argue their second best receiver because their first receiver went down um, in the SEC championship. So they were down their top right. two receivers. And um, 
that explosive playmaking kind of got a little, uh, I guess, stifled, so to speak. But do you think that's why Alabama was not able to keep up? Or do you think that uh, a team like Alabama, it really doesn't matter who's the next man up because they're always so good? Nick Saban, I think he plans for everything. He's one of these coaches. I think him coaching at Miami really kind of helped him as far as making himself better for the college ranks. Um, he really didn't do too bad as a Miami, Miami head coach. It's just, I think he learned something by coming to the pros because ever since he's been with Alabama, he's just been lights out. And, you know, he prepares for everything. He, he, he prepares for them even before he gets them to Alabama. You know, and they have a pro-style system in place. When he hires coordinators, they usually come from the NFL. He's got Bill O'Brien there right now. So they have a pro-style offense, pro-style defense, you know, special teams. And that's what you do. And these, these guys become stars in that system, whether you're running back, quarterback, wide receiver, defensive back, D-lineman, whatever. I mean, they usually have a good 12 or 13 that go drafted and then that don't include the ones that are undrafted that end up being undrafted free agents Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they're a powerhouse for sure and um i don't think alabama has anything to hang their head over uh bryce young you know he took responsibility for the loss he was 35 of 57 369 yards a touchdown but he had two interceptions but i don't think it was on bryce young you know i think that they saw one of the best defenses that i've seen in the college ranks i mean georgia's defense their front seven is amazing and their dbs ain't no joke either so it was a matter of if stetson bennett could keep up and i felt like if he played like he did against michigan that um georgia had a chance and he didn't do that in the first half but he did it in the second half man what do you think about him like you said after that fumble he just cut loose at that point and then he was unstoppable down the stretch and the pros, using another Mike, Mike Tomlin-ism, you can't blink. You, you know, you have to be strong in the, in the face of adversity. You know, and that's, that's what he did. I mean, he, didn't, he said he didn't want to be the cause of them losing the game. So how do, how do you do that? you got to have a – you got to, you know, X that out of your memory. you got to get back out there. You know, you, you fumble the ball. Okay. You get back up, you hand the ball off to, you know, when you go back out there on the field, you hand the ball off to your running back. You know, if you throw an interception, okay. Do it, do it out and up, you know, out and up or out and in and get it to your receiver. You got to have, you know, you got to have that, you know, erase that out of your memory. So that, therefore, you can go ahead and go about the game. If you let it just materialize and you think about it, it messes you up and you, you might not ever get it back. Yeah. I mean, dude stayed focused. Um, he got them back in it, and he did a great job. Uh, he's a walk-on who waited his turn and all that stuff. He had Kirk, Kirk Herbstreit all excited in the booth. He couldn't wait to talk about someone who didn't transfer and all that stuff. You know, he hates the transfer portal, and he hates that kids get paid for whatever reason. So he was more than happy to talk about the people like him and, and Alabama's um, – 
running back, uh, what's his name, Brian Robinson Jr., talk about how they both stayed around and waited their turn and all that good stuff. But um, oh, Hope Street, Hope Street just got a corn cob up his behind because he just, you know, because he's just mad that he didn't get paid when he was playing. That's all that is. <laughs> That's what I feel about it, man. That's how I feel. I mean, he shouldn't worry about it with all that television money he'd be getting every every college season. So, right. don't worry about what the kids are getting now. Be thankful they're getting it. Right. And so, overall, it was a good game. Georgia wins their first championship in, in 40-something years, 41 years, something like that, since Herschel Walker and Vince Dooley did it back in the day, back when we were little youngsters. And um, so, I think it's cool. The SEC, though, the SEC wins another championship, but – now, when you think about it, we've had four different champions over the last four years. We had LSU, LSU, Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia. So three SEC right. teams, one ACC team, but all from the South. How do you feel about that? Do you think the rest of the country is kind of tired of seeing Nick Saban in the championship or tired of, of the same old team that seemed to make it? Well, if they're tired – then build a better program. I mean, you have to start looking at how these programs are built. And, you know, you, you look at these last four teams that won it, from Clemson to Georgia to Alabama. You know Alabama's won it, what, three three out of the last six tries? Um, yeah, they've been in six out of seven. Yeah, so you look at how these programs are built. You've got to get a coach, and the kids have to buy into that system. It's going to be a whole lot harder to build a program that's as elite as the ones that we're speaking of now because you do have the transport portal where, you know, these kids can go wherever the hell they want, you know, and switch around. But in order for the kids to buy in and in order for your program to succeed, you're going to have a short leash. So you better get the right recruiting people. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to, if you're going to go out there and help your recruiting people, you get the, the kids got to see you as the coach and they have to buy in to what you're selling. Okay. In order for that program to be right. And you got to go for the top, top recruits. Alabama got their stuff on cruise control. Georgia, maybe not so much, but Georgia has been the most consistent team that I've seen in the top five over the last five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clemson was a powerhouse for a little while until um, Fabio Jr. here got, got drafted by <laughs> Jacksonville. Um, thank you, Fabio. Thank you, Fabio Jr. for getting bother. the job done this week. Uh, he, he, I know, right? He, he does kind of got that Fabio look to him. But, um, you know, Clemson's having to rebuild a little bit. Um. And Alderon, he had a good program. Yeah. Kind of think he got done a little bit wrong down at LSU. I mean, I think they should have yeah. given him – I mean, they had a lot of injuries and things of that nature, um, hurricanes and all that kind of stuff. I really wish they had left Alderon alone. But I just think they – for LSU, it's about appearance. And Alderon really didn't fit that classic LSU coach to player mentality. Even though he was Cajun through and through. Yeah, so, you know, I I kind of think he got dealt a bad hand. I do too. But in all all fairness, you know, you got to build a better program. Get the kids to the school first. 
-hmm. and then they got to buy into your system. I agree. I agree. And it's a lot of work. You know, it's a lot of work. And some guys get get enough, get the chances. Other guys don't. And speaking of that, let's transition to the NFL. We talk about people who didn't get the job done. Uh, There are a lot of people who lost their jobs in the NFL um, coaching ranks this weekend. Uh, The Giants got rid of their head coach and general manager. The Bears got rid of their head coach and general manager. And the Vikings got rid of theirs, head coach and general manager. So the Dolphins, Broncos, and Raiders, excuse me, and Jaguars all got rid of their coaches. Um, the Raiders haven't hired Rich Versace as a head coach yet, so technically they're still looking for a coach. But out of the, the, the Giants, Bears, Vikings, Dolphins, Broncos, and Jaguars, who do you think did not deserve to lose their job in the NFL as a coach? Flores, um, I thought he did a masterful job in Miami, bringing these guys back. Yeah, down in Miami, doing a masterful job to get these guys back to five hundred. Um, they won just about all their games in the second half of the season, and you know, with all the COVID and injuries and the, and the, you know the quarterback saga. Yeah, you know, he didn't know who his quarterback was going to be. You know, you know where the quarterback going to be from week to week. You know, they're talking about getting the boy out of heat, you know, getting the boy from the Texans and all that stuff. Two are getting injured. I mean, I think, what did they finish, nine and seven? So, uh, and you going to fire a guy? Yeah, they were nine and eight, nine and eight. They finished nine and eight. I got to get used to that 17th game. Me too. Nine Me and too. eight, you going to fire him? Uh-oh, we got a new curse. <laughs> Miami, just, the last time – I'm going to say this. The last time a winning coach – now, I know he was only one game under 500, but the last coach that had a winning record get fired, they ain't been back yet. Uh, Chargers? Hmm. Mm. Schottenheimer. So, yep, so now I Maybe think we got a, a new curse. curse. Yeah. There's a new Maybe. curse. The late great Sean Nama, you got it. You got somebody that you can curse along with, and that's the Flores curse. So y'all get ready. It's like the Campbell Sue's curse and the Madden curse. Got to get ready for it. It's here. <laughs> it's here to stay. It appears that way, man. I mean, it's ridiculous. And also, I was kind of surprised to see Vic Fangio get fired. I know the Broncos. You know, they didn't make the playoffs. I thought they were competitive. And I, given his quarterback situation, man, I thought he did all right. I mean, he had Drew Locke for a lot of the season. And, uh, you know, Drew Locke is still a young quarterback, and he, he's not ready to get it done yet. And then he had all kinds of injuries to deal with. They got rid of Von Miller in the middle of the season. So, I, I mean, I'm not sure what they expected the guy to do. Um, well, he, it doesn't seem like they gave – him the right tools. You know, a lot of times I feel like the general manager is more responsible for some of these problems than the coaches themselves. But what did you think about Mike Zimmer? I thought Mike Zimmer, I thought it was, it was about time for him to go, but Kirk Cousins had one more year left on his deal. Do you think they should have let it play out and let him coach Kirk Cousins one more time? Because if you bring in a new coach, which they have, that new coach has to figure out if Kirk Cousins is going to be his quarterback in 2023. Kirk Cousins will not be a Minnesota Viking. I can tell you that right now, regardless of who's coaching him. Um, 
that that system, Mike Zimmer's system. You know, uh, he's a good coach. He's really a good coach. Not a great coach, but he's a good coach. He's a coach to get it done. But he's had a lot of issues um, from his eyes messing up on him, um, and with the amount of talent that these guys have, it just doesn't seem like he's getting it all out of them. Yeah, I mean, um, they did. He did have a lot of injuries. Yeah, he did have a lot of injuries in COVID. We got to, you know, we got to look at that as well. But at the same time, I just think that there's just something just a little off. Um, but, you know, this is the main thing that's off. Somebody got to slay, you know, we were talking about the boogeyman. Well, we know who the boogey, boogeyman is over there in that, in that division, and that's the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Manera Rogers. So until you break it and bring them down on a consistent basis, I mean, that's the reason why you're losing so many coaches over there. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is going to get a lot of coaches fired. That's just what it is. But, um, I mean, now the new coach has Kirk Cousins for one year, so it's almost like they're going to have a throwaway year, so to speak. I mean, if they do well, then Kirk Cousins is probably gone. If they don't do well, then it's like you kind of wasted a whole year with someone who's not going to be the quarterback of your future. So, I don't know. There's going to be be a major – there's going to be a major quarterback shuffle this offseason, okay? I can tell you this much. Um, I know Matt Ryan is staying in Atlanta. That much I do know. He's got two years left on his contract. But I want you to keep an eye on wherever Aaron Rodgers goes, wherever Russell wherever Wilson goes. Those two guys may be flip-flopping. Um, Kirk Cousins, I don't expect him to be a Viking next year. I mean, Tua might be salary moving. cap is going to let him do anything. So, like, with, with the more the more success the Packers have, the more I think Aaron Rodgers is not going anywhere. And if if the Cardinals, yeah. if, not the Cardinals, if the uh, Seahawks get rid of Pete Carroll, then I don't think Russell may be going anywhere. I, I don't know. I mean, it could be a possibility that neither one of them leave. That's a possibility, but. You know, there's just until I just really think, yeah, there's been a lot of success. I don't, I, I don't doubt for any moment that Aaron Rodgers likes his coach. He likes his coach. He likes the players he plays with. It's the GM he doesn't like. Yeah. Ever since he, you know, they picked up the, you know, the the, the new quarterback, and he's still green around the gills. Oh, Jordan Love. So, Jordan Love. I just don't think he's all that great i mean yeah he, he's definitely still young so the jury's still out but um I, I just haven't been impressed by him so but we'll see what happens like i said those coaches are on the are on, on the on the the job market and we'll see who gets hired um as far as the games we had last week I wanted to add one more thing about Brian Flores. Brian Flores was won 50% of his games in the last two seasons, 58%, which is number 10 in the league. So he had the 10th best record in the last two seasons. Yeah, he still got run out of town. I don't think it was fair given what he had. But he's being interviewed in Chicago right now, so he could have another job pretty soon. But looking at our yep. picks from last week, we all took Kansas City. Um, in the Dallas Philly game, uh, both you and I both took Dallas. 
And yep. all, all of us took Tampa Bay over Carolina. We kind of knew that was going to happen. Uh, you and Eminem took Atlanta. So Ray and I got the New Orleans game. We both took New Orleans. All of us took Cincinnati over Cleveland. And all of us took Tennessee over Houston. Eminem was the only person to take Miami over New England. Now, if nothing else, Brian Flores beat New England regularly. And that should have been enough to keep his job. But um, Eminem yep. was the only one that went with Miami. All of us took Washington over the Giants. But what did you think about Joe Judge, who's one of the people who got fired, on third and nine from his own four-yard line calling a quarterback sneak? Stupid as fuck. There's no clean way to say it. Okay. This is, I think people, all these going, going forward on fourth down, but a quarterback sneak, this ain't, this ain't super technical. I mean, shit. I mean, you, I was like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, you should have been fired. You shouldn't even been allowed to come to the locker room after a, a play call like that. You know, look, just, just walk out with the fans. Get, get your, you know, get on the plane, Delta. Just take a charter, you know, just, you know, economy your ass back to the house. You don't make no, you don't make a call like that. You know, third and four. I can see if it's third and inches. And I think what really made it bad is that he tried to justify it in the press conference saying, well, you know, we were trying to make more room to punt. I'm like, bro, if you're on the four yard line, how much room do you need to punt? Right. You know what I'm saying? You're on the four. And I just don't think he's he was a good coach from the get-go. Um, they just made a mistake when they hired him, man. That, that's all it is yep. to it. They made a huge mistake. I remember us talking about it, saying that, you know, could he be a, a good coach someday? Only time will tell. But going into it, none of us felt really good about that, about him getting hired. And uh, – yeah, they, they had to move on from him. And they, their general manager retired, but I feel like he probably should have been run out of town anyway. Um, yep. So, you know, the, the Giants are a mess. They're a complete mess. But all right, um, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, all of us took Pittsburgh instead of uh, – except for Ray. And, uh, you know, the Steelers were able to, to get by. It was, it was a – a gritty win, but y'all were able to pull it off. And all of us took Buffalo over the Jets. All of us took Green Bay over Detroit. And the Green Bay-Detroit game, I didn't even know Detroit had won. I had stopped watching. I yeah. thought Green Bay was just playing around with them. I know they weren't really just really trying. But um, I had no idea Detroit had won, so I was kind of surprised about that. Man, the biggest surprise, though, was Jacksonville over Indianapolis. Man, how in the world right. do you let a team that's picking first in the draft keep you out of the playoffs, Buck? Man, sometimes on the schedule, you see a team. You see a team that's down. And you see a team that hadn't won much or won at all all season. You lose your coach. You know, you don't know what you're really buying into. And then all of a sudden, you, you think you got an automatic win. <clears throat> but these guys are all professionals. And they came out there, and Jacksonville, got in, they got in their ass early, often, <laughs> and they kept their foot on the gas all the whole game. 
And I'm just sitting up here, and there was an Indianapolis fan, and his name is Sean, too, and he was sitting over there watching the game. And he was all hyped up and excited because, you know, he always wanted to see Indianapolis do good. And he just – all of us around him just cheering, and he just he – he was just going down in the hole. Next thing I know, I didn't see that joke over there no more. And I was just like, y'all – see, sometimes you overlook a team. And that's exactly what Indianapolis did. You know, they oh, they overlooked they, they overlooked them and they just man, they that that ass whooping they got I mean Jacksonville really if they would have played yeah, like they that didn't all barely season, beat them. They it was twenty six to eleven the and, the Colts, and the Colts got that touchdown late. <laughs> so it's yep. not like they barely beat be, them. They thoroughly dominated them. All the whole game. And they had you know, it was cool because they put that game directly next to ours. And it was just awesome. We were just looking at both TVs until CBS jumped in, and we were having storms down here, and we were, we were about to blow a gasket. So, Man, let me tell you, I, that just really surprised me. Uh, Indianapolis is one of those teams that you look forward to seeing in the playoffs, and now they're not going to be in the playoffs. You know, that's somebody you thought they can do some damage. And they're they're not going to even be there. And I'm like, golly, how does that even happen? You know. But uh, right. I mean, they they let them guys come down there and and take advantage of them. And it seemed like the Jaguars just have their the number right now. It just seemed like they have their number. And you know, sometimes it's like that. There's certain teams you can't beat. But um, in the yeah. Minnesota and Chicago game, um, everybody picked Minnesota except for me. Um, I took went with Chicago. All of us took the Rams over the 49ers, and the Rams laid down. You know, the, the 49ers have beaten the Rams, what is it, like six times in a row or something like that? What in the world is going on with the Rams? I mean, Matt Stafford has like, I don't know, four, five, six turnovers or something in the last uh, few games he's played in. I, I mean, they wanted to make Matt Stafford the MVP at one point, but but right now he's he's not playing well at all. You can take the line. You can take the line out of Detroit, but you can't. You can't take the. You know what's the, what's the saying? You take the. You can take the man out. The lion out of Detroit, but you can't take Detroit out of the lion. So, I think what you're seeing is, this is a man that's been. I mean, it's not that Matt Matt, Matt Stafford has a great arm, but he's been inconsistent because he's not. He's not used to being consistent. In Detroit, yeah, he was putting up numbers. You know, he had Megatron for a while. He had good running backs. You know, but either the defense was bad, the offensive line wasn't good enough, or either he, you know, he was injured. So, I don't think, I mean, Matt, Matt Stafford has to be, when you're a, a consistent winner, let's give it to that. Yeah, I'm good. Just choking on my own spit. <coughs> Excuse me. So anyway, if you if you look at, let's say, I'm gonna take two quarterbacks in this. Ben Roethlisberger. You know, he came into the league, took over for Tommy Gunn, Tommy Maddox. Tommy Maddox got injured. He was drafted in 2004. He won like 15 games. Took us to the AFC Championship game. First year, Dak Prescott. Another kid, you know, consistently wins. 
when you're on a consistently winning team, you build consistent habits. You have fourth quarter comebacks. Big Ben has 53, 54 of them. Uh, I don't know how many Dak has, but I think he's got, I'm, I'm just, I don't know, maybe 12, 15. Um, you build a repertoire of consistency. And when you are consistent winners, that's what you do. And, I mean, yeah, you're going to lose some games, but, you, I mean, Big Ben hasn't had a losing season. And Dak Prescott, you know, he, I think he's had a losing season, but that's Dallas. Um, yeah. Bad coaching what have you. So, but he's got a consistent winning record as a quarterback. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think the, the season Dallas had when they lost, he was he was hurt. I don't know if he's had, had a little He was season. hurt. So, with all that being said, you develop, you develop habits. He has not developed those habits because he hasn't been on a consistently a consistent winning team. He, this is a new system. And down the stretch... I mean, he used to be in at home for the holidays. He ain't in no playoffs. He ain't smelt the playoffs. <laughs> and how long? I don't know. I mean, you playing in the same division with Green Bay. I could, Only God knows the last time he juggled. Maybe, maybe the internet knows. Actually, I, I don't uh, even know when the last time. The was. last time the Lions went to the playoffs was, I think, right after the Cincinnati went to the playoffs, like in 91, because they beat Dallas. I think in 1991, the last time the well, not when last time they went, the last time they won a playoff game. They went uh, like five years ago because they kind of got screwed on a play to let Dallas uh, win the game, and Dallas went on and got screwed <laughs> on that catch by Dez against Green Bay. So that was like 2015 or 16, I think. Right. So, but all right. Uh, the, the, let, let's see, Seattle and Arizona, we all took – Arizona, Arizona in that game, and um, Arizona let us down. And so, you know, that's one of those deals. No big, this one. And Arizona, they they need to, they really needed to win that game just to try to get the momentum going for the playoffs. But they, you know, we'll figure it out. And but the game of the week, of course, and some people say even the game of the season, I guess, because they had so much on the line was the overtime win the Raiders had against the Chargers, 35-32. And, I mean, it, the reason the game was so exciting is because it, the winner of the, of the game went to the playoffs. But not only that, the Steelers were involved because if the t- game ended in a tie, the Steelers would be out the playoffs. And everyone laughed about this all week. I think we may have joked about it last week, but it almost came into fruition so, Buck, as a Steelers fan, when you're watching this game, what in the world is going through your mind when that clock running down and it looks like it's about to be a tie? Well, I didn't know really – I really didn't know what to think. I was just sitting there watching the game, and I'm going like, you you can't let this end in a tie. You know, you got to win the game. Um, you play to win the game. You know, why in the world are you going to let your in-division rival and y'all tie and go to the playoffs. I mean, I just didn't see that happening. It came close, but as long as I saw that kick go up, now I did. And now I started laughing when the Chargers called the timeout. I don't know if they were in the wrong defense or they saw something in the field and the players were tired. I have no idea why they made that timeout. 
I, but I'm going I mean, like they just lost the game because of that timeout. So I think they did too, man. And I'm gonna tell you why. What I think. Uh, why I think they lost. I think it was analytics. I think because the Raiders um, were in had two receivers and one tight end, then the analytics said that to to Brandon Staley that I got to counter that. So because they're in a run-pass type of offense, they're in a balance type of offense, they may run, they may pass, it's third down. So he took a linebacker off the field and brought in a safety. Okay, so he does that to protect against the pass. But again, this is where analytics fails you. See, analytics doesn't give you the whole story. The tight end that was in the game was Foster Monroe. Foster Monroe is a blocking tight end. He had been in the game 10 times prior to that, and they ran nine out of those 10 times. So seeing Foster Monroe in the game should have let them know they were going to run the ball. But instead, they followed the analytics, I think is what happened. And Josh Jacobs got a nice run out of it because you didn't have that extra linebacker in there to kind of help fortify the run defense, which the Chargers run defense has been bad all year and Brandon Staley's supposed to be a defensive guy, but I think he cost them the game. I think the Raiders were probably going to take that long field goal. Had the Raiders not really gained any yardage, they were going to let the clock run down. And I think they may have gone for like a 55, 56 yard field goal, which would have been a lot more difficult. Uh, but because they got that extra play and ran the ball and got that extra yardage, it was a makeable field goal, a lot more makeable. So what did you think about Brandon Staley's decisions, not just there, but the decision to um, go for fourth and one on like his own 18-yard line, I think, what, like in the third quarter or something like that? Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is, this is not, you know, super checkable. These guys got to get throw this analytic stuff out of the window. There's, there's common sense play when it comes to football. I mean, everybody going to, going forward on fourth down. I can see going forward on fourth down if you're, you know, times winding up in the game, um, and you're trying to put points on the board, trying to catch up. And there's a realistic chance that you could probably win the football game. I can see that, but when you're in the second quarter. And you're on the 35-yard line on your side of the field, and it's fourth down. I mean, third down and fourth down and five. You know, if you miss, if you don't convert the fourth fourth down, then now you put these rascals in automatic field position. You've given up three, at least three points. Analytics says because of the defense on the on the football field says you have the numbers. AWS doesn't doesn't plan for regular football. I mean, we see. I mean, we see. Let's give. Let's give. Let me give you an example. Super Tech and Bowl Three, one of the funnest football games you can ever play on on a system. <coughs> Excuse me. So anyway, you can drop back all the way back to the end zone, throw the football to your tight end. The tight end is gonna be wide open and gonna nobody be open, and he gonna get a touchdown every time you throw it. Don't let his attributes go up. It's really going to get stupid. You can be standing in the end zone and throw that joker, and that joker will be sitting on there waiting on it on the other side. Go for it on fourth down. You'll probably make it. 
Same thing about Madden. I mean, yeah, Madden's a whole lot harder these days. But I, I don't know. The Madden 97 was the hardest. You used to kick my ass and <laughs> that shit all the time. <laughs> but anyway, it made me have to go home and practice. But the bottom line of it is you can do that on a video game. You cannot do that against guys that are bigger, stronger, faster. Analytics can't transfer the speed of the game to the to the analytics of the game. And you got to use common sense. If you don't have the you don't have the players that can pull it off, there's no sense in going for it. I don't think I've ever seen. I mean, yeah, it's exciting for the fans, but I hadn't. I've never seen so much going for it on fourth down this year as I did this year. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, man. And then when you think about analytics and and what it does, essentially analytics will say it takes you 35 steps to walk across the street. So you're planning to walk across the street in 35 steps, but it doesn't tell you you got cars coming, you know, so you ain't gonna be able to walk a straight line. It doesn't tell you there's a pothole in the street that you're going to have to take some extra steps to go around it. And that's what coaching is about knowing when to use analytics and knowing when to use your gut. And Brandon Staley is horrible at it. And the people of um, Los Angeles or San Diego or wherever their fans are, Tijuana, they need to be upset. Okay, they need to be very upset because this guy is not, not you know, Sean McVay. I mean, and I'm not even big, really a big fan of Sean McVay, to be honest with you. These guys, I don't have a problem with people using analytics I just have a problem with people who see that it doesn't work all the time, yet they still continue to do it because they think they're the smartest person in the room. But anyway, Ray was the only one who took the Raiders. All of us expected the Chargers to come through. And I got to be honest with you, the Chargers kind of remind me of the Cowboys a little bit as far as, uh, you know, they let you down when you expect them to, you know, all right, this is their opportunity. This is their chance to do something big. And they let you down every time, man. So they're like the AFC Cowboys. In a lot of ways, but shot now a curse. <laughs> right. As far as the week goes, um, despite all the different picks we made, all of us finished 10 and 6. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. So, yeah, and so our final regular season standings, I was 175 and 95 and 164.5 percent. Ray was 166, 104 and 1, 61.2. You were 165, 105, and 160.8. And Eminem was 157, 113, and 157.9. So, I mean, three of us were in a 60% plus range. And considering that we made our picks on Tuesdays before we knew who was going to play, who had COVID and all that stuff on Fridays and Saturdays, and we still outpicked a lot of people on ESPN and stuff, man, is is really great. Uh, But now it's time to pick the playoffs. (laughs) Playoffs? Yeah, now it's time to pick the playoffs. And so we got two games on Saturday, but two AFC games. I'm not sure why they did it that way. Two AFC games on Saturday. The first one, Las Vegas, is at Cincinnati. Cincinnati, if I'm not mistaken, stomped a mud hole in Las Vegas earlier in the year. Um, Yeah. I'm trying to remember. I'm almost positive they did. Yeah, it was 32 to 13 back in November. And a matter of fact, the Raiders haven't been beat Cincinnati since before, well, like 2012. So, who do you like yeah. in this game, man? The Raiders on the road, fresh off their victory over the Chargers against Cincinnati. Uh, I, I I don't like Derek Carr. 
I mean, even though they won the other night, he really didn't do a whole lot. And he's not going to do a whole lot in this game but get his, get his feelings hurt. And uh, Cincinnati going to beat the hell out of him. Okay. Okay. What do you have against Derek Carr? What do you, what do you just not like? He's just not a good – he's not – he's not a <laughs> starting quarterback. Okay. Okay. I mean, he, right. he, he just he – just, this is a guy that's been in several systems. Now, let me let me explain this just a little briefly. Uh, you sound he's like been Chris in several systems. Here's a guy. He's not – no, don't, don't even go there. Um, he, did, he just – he's not evolved in any system he's ever been in. He does just enough to get by. You know, he's a mid-tier quarterback. He's always going to be a mid-tier quarterback. Um, you know, he, he's more like a game manager, you know, where, you know, he's going he's gonna to do some things that will be suspect and questionable, but he might win you a few games. He may give you a winning season, but he's not going to get you a Super Bowl. Okay. All right. So you're taking Cincinnati. I'm taking Cincinnati. What about New England at Buffalo? Now, with New England at Buffalo, this is the third time they've met. Uh, the first time, New England won on the road, 14 to 10. The second time, Buffalo won at New England, 33 to 21. So, who do you like in this one? New England at Buffalo. Ooh, it's hard to pick against um, what Belichick has done, but I'm picking against them this time. Uh, I got to go with Buffalo. Okay. I'm going with Buffalo, too. Belichick may make both of us regret it, but I'm going with Buffalo. I, I think that um, Mac Jones is good, but he's he's not – I don't think he's ready for this yet. I, I don't think he's a, a Ben Roethlisberger or a Dan Marino, and he's ready to take a team to the Super Bowl this early in his career. So uh, I'm taking Buffalo. All right, on Sunday, the first game is Philadelphia at Tampa Bay. <laughs> Now, Tampa Bay beat Philadelphia 28-22 earlier in the year. Philadelphia made a nice little comeback but came up short. Uh, Tampa Bay has beaten Philadelphia the last five times they played. No, I'm sorry, three out of the last five times they played. Uh, who do you like in this one, Philly on the road against Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay. I mean, they. they, they I, I mean, I don't think Jalen Hurts is ready to take it to a divisional round. Um, they got to run the ball and have no mistakes. They win games by making mistakes and, and being able to overcome them. Tampa gave if, the only way the Eagles win this game, they have to keep it close or even, even take, you know, put the foot on the gas and never take it off. Tampa Bay is not going to make mistakes. Not normally. So I, I got to go with Tampa Bay here. Okay, man, let me tell you something. I, I, tried hard to make myself pick Philadelphia because I thought Philadelphia's run game would overcome all the injuries Tampa has, but I, I can't do it. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with Tampa. And even though I think Philadelphia is the type of team who can beat them, I just don't know if Philly is ready for it yet. So I'm going with Tampa. All right. Uh, San Francisco at Dallas. Dallas has beaten San Francisco the last three times they've played. The last time San Francisco beat Dallas was opening day 2014, which was the last Cowboys game I went to. I was at that game when the 49ers won 28-17. Um, Buck, this game scares me. I mean, Philly or San Francisco scare me because they run the ball well, and Dallas' Achilles, Achilles heel is the run game. 
But if Dallas can get a lead, I think they can take San Francisco out that run game and force Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the ball. I'm going with Dallas, but it, this is a tough one. Mm, I, I can't go with San Francisco in this game. Um, simply because, you know, you, you got a guy that kind of chokes in the big games, coaching it. And, I mean, Jimmy G is really not the problem. I, I think it's the coaching staff that's the problem. And the reason, and yeah, they've had injuries this year. COVID just hit them kind of tough as well. But at the same time, when it really comes down to consistency, Dallas has actually, you know, Dallas has had their own issues with inconsistency. But Dallas is more consistent than the 49ers. So even though it's the weekend of the catch mm. by the late great Mr. Clark, I got to go with Dallas. All right. And so let's see. Sunday night, we have Kansas City and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is going to be on the road. Kansas City has won the last two matchups, including um, 36 to 10 just about two weeks ago um, in Kansas City. And who do you like in this game, Buck? I, I'm, I'm going with Kansas City. I know Big Ben wants to have a farewell, you know, swan song or whatever, but uh, I got to go Kansas City at home. Man, what I've seen these guys do in the last two weeks um, and the way they play football, it's almost like they're playing for Big Ben. You kind of get that feeling you had when the Steelers were playing Indianapolis and Jerome Butters fumbled and Big Ben made that game-saving tackle. tackle. Yeah. You kind of have a sense, you know, this season is kind of similar to that one where we had a lot of losing that season. We came back. We went on a run. I know it sounds crazy and common sense says go with Kansas City, but I ain't doing it. I'm going Pittsburgh on this one. All right. All right. And the last one, Monday night, first Monday night wild card game, you have the Arizona Cardinals, who have a great road record, on the road against the Rams. The They've split, let's see, the last two meetings. The Rams have won four out of five. But uh, let's see, the last time they played, December 13th, the Rams won by a touchdown. Back in October, Arizona won by 17 points. Um, back at the end of last year, the Rams won by nine points. It's been back and forth, but who do you like in this game? Arizona at Los Angeles. This is the toughest game to pick out of all the games this year. Yeah. Um, all the games in the playoffs. Playoffs. Playoffs? You kidding me? I just want to win a game. I think that I think all this analytics and all this all these silly game plans that the Rams do. Is going to catch up with them in this game. Because if Arizona gets a lead, the Rams ain't. Matthew Stafford is not built to come back. So I'm thinking Arizona going to get – I think they're going to get um, Connor back, which would be a great addition for them to have. I don't know about J.J. Uh, Watt. I don't know if he'll be back or not. But um, as long as they get Connor back, and even if they don't, I just think Arizona has just got, got enough to get this done. So I'm picking Arizona. That is real hard to pick. Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, I'm going with Arizona in the upset as well. I just do not have confidence in the Rams and their coach and their. I think you know. I think Matt Stafford's a good quarterback, but um, 
No, I, I don't think he's someone who can elevate a team to uh, a playoff win if he faces adversity. And I think that Arizona will give them some adversity. So, all right. So I'll go ahead and get ready to wrap things up, man. My battery life is getting low as all get out. And it's about time for this thing to shut down on me. But uh, really quick, just over, overall, you know, next week we'll talk about maybe some of the predictions that we made and, and things of that nature. But really quick, um, TJ White got to tied the sack record, which in my opinion, he owns the sack record because I don't like to recognize Michael Strahan as having it since Brett Favre gave him that gift. But uh, right. how cool was that, man, to see him uh, get that sack record? It was cool because the week before I saw him do it, you know, saw him get four sacks. Um, it was just it was really cool to see. Um, and then he, you know, batted that pe- – that pass down and this groin was, you know, just been bothering them all season. Yeah. I mean, so, (laughs) you know, this is a game, this, I mean, this man got this record in 14 games. So yeah, we played 17 games, but he did it in actually 13 and a half games. So just imagine what his record would have been if he'd have been in all the games. He is a game wrecker. He should have been defensive player of the year the last two years. This is a man that's just been getting double-digit sacks consistently. I mean, you can't – I mean, they double-teamed him, and he still got there. I mean, it's amazing to watch him. I mean, I, I don't know how he does it. But not only – I mean, when they, they're, they're game-planning for him, I'll tell you somebody else who they – I mean, yeah, he made the Pro Bowl this year, but Hayward in his 10th season, I mean, for a defensive lineman to have administered – I think he had double-digit sacks. <coughs> Double digit sacks this season. Hayward is doing really well. He's got like 62, 63 sacks his own self. So, I mean, that, I mean, and that's without to it, and that's without a Lulu. So, that ought to tell you something about that. I mean, he's, you know, going into his 11th season next year. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Hayward is solid, man. Two time all pro. He did have 10 sacks this season, which is phenomenal for a, a defensive tackle. Uh, T.J. White is definitely the player, uh, defensive player of the year, in my opinion. Um, let's see. It says he played in 15 games. But uh, this is the guy. Of course, he didn't play in all 60 minutes or anything because he yeah. got hurt. But uh, for Strahan to say that he did, he set the sack record in like 13 games or whatever was a lie when he said that on That's Fox News. Uh, Strahan played all 16 games that year when Favre gifted him that last one. But uh, yeah. I thought it was cool, man. I, I thought, you know, and I'm, I'm, he's the only one I recognize for the record. And, um, you know, he's definitely, in my opinion, the defensive player of the year. But I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up because this thing is about to go down. But I appreciate you joining me, man. We'll be back next week and we'll chop up wild card weekend and, and discuss how everything went. Uh, so everyone out there. You can follow the show at www.podpage.com forward slash 15 yards, and we will catch you next week. Peace out.